you read the Bible from that perspective and you read his words, you know, now Jesus is talking to me as my brother is saying, this is a tool you can use today to help you elevate your experience on this planet. And if you follow this path, you will be able to walk as I'm walking in this experience. And what I love about that is it takes it from this thing that happened 2,000 years ago to a special person to this is an experience for us today. Welcome to the Shifting Points Podcast Studio with Master Chef Seth and your host, Michael Blue. From the Grabbers. Coming to you live from Las Vegas, Nevada. The Shifting Points Podcast. 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 Welcome to the Shifting Points Podcast Studio Kitchen. We're here with Master Chef Seth, and he's going to create a super smart burst drink for us. My guest this evening is Reverend Shad from Unity of Las Vegas. So we're super excited to have you here. My honor. We're going to let Seth. Very excited. Yeah. All right. We like to start every um, podcast out with a little drink. We call a super smart burst. Invigorate the, the body right away. While you're speaking to each other, you'll be becoming something greater, I hope. <laughs> a horn melon or an African cucumber. It's full of iron, phosphorus, uh, a lot of good stuff for the body. Looks like what a naughty kid would bring to school to put on a teacher's chair right before they sit down. Or something like, <laughs> not the apple kind of kid, but you know, the spiky fruit kind of kid. Um, avocado, uh, I include the skin and the pit. It's full of fiber, and a lot of the vitamins are concentrated in the skin and the pit. It has a lot of the same stuff that chia seeds have in it, a lot of healthy fats, and kind of uh, emulsifies everything together, makes it smooth. So you have a serious blender to blend that pit. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. I'm sure that just... pit would end in my blender. <laughs> this, thing, this thing just rocks. That's our, super as, smart, our special super smart. As far as okay. blending. I got dandelion greens, a little kale, uh, a little cucumber, This cucumber is like this for everything. <laughs> it is, it is good for everything. This pumpkin seed and tiger nut. Tiger nut. Uh, tiger nut, it almost looks like a little onion. Uh, they use it in Spain, they use it in something called horchata, and it's mm -hmm. a drink that they make that's a milky uh, drink. But it also has a lot in it to help stimulate the body, the blood flow, and, and everything like that. So there's also pumpkin seed. And pumpkin seeds are awesome. Full of iron, elevating your mood. Right. Elevating your mood, yes. yes. And no tigers were harmed. In the no tigers were harmed in the day. I picked these up. They're marigolds. And I found out that the Aztecs believed them to help with curing the hiccups. <laughs> okay. As well as helping uh, recover from the effects of being hit by lightning. So um, just in case just you were so hit yeah, by lightning yeah. earlier. That happens often. <laughs> you're, if you're not aware of spirulina, you should be because it's a fantastic superfood. It has everything that a person could need to survive in it. And algaes are are a great source to go to as far as vegan eating and, and things like that. And red tea is a superfood accredited by dozens of dozens of countries to be a healing medical herb. I got hemp seed oil. It has omega six and omega three. Now we usually. Um, Top it off at the end with frozen fruits to make all that taste. White grape mm -hmm. juice and uh, blueberries. All right. 
So he did a lot of research into it, and then he started making it, and I started drinking it, and then became totally addicted to them. Yeah, I always try and throw, put things that are anti-inflammatory and have, you know, have that kind of benefit, have nerve healing benefits, and... and so, all right. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, cheers. That's really good. We are going to sign out here in the Shifting Points podcast kitchen with Seth. Say goodbye to Seth. We're going to head on into the podcast studio and continue our discussion with Reverend Shad. Peace. Hello and welcome to the Shifting Points podcast studio. I'm here with Reverend Shad. He's my guest tonight and super excited to have him here. We're coming to you live from the Gramercy in Vegas. So let's get started. Let's Thank you, it. Shad, for coming. My I really pleasure. appreciate it. So um, what I'd like to do, start out with each guest is, um, I'm just gonna hand you my book and just open it to whatever page it opens to and then okay. we'll just take my it from pleasure. there. Sharing a powerful shift. So this chapter was really about finding the strength that I had within myself when a lot of people turned their backs on me, mm -hmm. finding that strength that I had in my connection to God and really using that to, to push forward with my life because I just felt like at, you know, one point, some people, what you realize aren't meant to stay on your life journey. I think everybody right. comes into your life for a reason right. and you learn whatever it is you learn from that person. And some are meant to stay your whole life. Not some are just, them. not all of them though. Right. <laughs> Thank God. Right. <laughs> I'd like you to share something about that just from your own experience. It happened early on for me. I remember that all the way back to high school. If we could journey back that far. Uh, I remember I was hanging out with kids, you know, in junior high that were kind of troublemakers that were not the best group of kids to be hanging out with. And, and they were sort of the type of guys that, you know, were backstabbing whoever wasn't in the room. You know, so you knew if you weren't in the room, they were probably backstabbing you right. and talking about you. And uh, it just wasn't feeling right, but they were a good group of guys or kind of a popular group of guys, whatever. And I remember one day I walked into the lunchroom and sitting at a table by himself was a guy I grew up with as a kid, but I hadn't seen in, you know, probably five years or so. You know, you split directions when you're in school. You uh -huh. go to schools and, uh, but at the other table was all my regular high school friends. And there was that moment where, you know, I really had this decision to make right then and there. Do I want to go back and be that type of person or do I want to step into something new? And I knew going to sit with this kid, there'd be ramifications, right? They're going to be upset with me. You know, why would you do that? I was going to be ostracized from never right. invited to anything they had anymore. And that was the case. Like that, literally that day was sort of the last time I ever interacted with them. Wow. At all. And it was a complete new direction, new friends. And what was amazing was uh, not only myself, but my people around me noticed there was a shift in me because it was an opportunity to be myself. You know, it's like you're in this group and sort of the group sets the dynamic. Yeah. And you have to just sort of fit into what that group decides. But then I went in this new direction. It was I could now be myself. It was safe to be myself. Right. It wasn't this, you know, predetermined dynamic I had to fit into. It was it was safe to be myself. And that really was when I started to blossom into Shad and realize who I was because I could I could joke around. I wouldn't be ostracized. You know, I could be silly and it wouldn't be, you know, lame to be silly because that wasn't what the group allowed. It, it literally came down to that decision in that lunchroom 
took me in a completely different direction in my life. This moment I have a decision. Do these people still serve my greater good or am I ready to go in a new direction? That's amazing to, to have that experience that young though. I kind of wish I would have done that because I think you have a knowing when you're, because I, I, that takes me back to being in high school and being in that group dynamic that I never really felt comfortable in a, you know, playing charades or something with the, just trying to fit in. Cause you know, you didn't want to make that decision that was going to, it was scary when you were a kid <laughs> for you to make that decision at a young age, you were already f feeling your authenticity and who you were at that moment. And I think that's a lot of the times we're not being authentic with ourselves. So it's hard to end up taking that path when you're, when you're not being authentic with yourself. I think I was incredibly blessed and I was raised by, uh, my father was a minister. My mother was a co-minister with him. And so I was born into the unity movement of which I'm now a minister. I had the upbringing was already about, you know, you have the power of God within you to execute and create a life you want to create, however you want to create that. And did you understand that? Like, did you really understand that growing up and everything? It doesn't, I don't think you really can until you've been out on your own. You feel it and it's, you know, it's real for you at that time. But until you've gone out and you've, you know, tested it in the quote unquote real world, you, or you've been tested by it, you can't really claim it as your own, right? And so uh, I was in a place as a kid that I was handed all these incredible tools. That doesn't mean I wasn't challenged like every other kid, but like you're saying in that moment, I wasn't terrified of what I was gonna lose. You know, I could be there and say, all right, this is life, I have a choice. Right. I now don't choose that. When did you decide that this was what you wanted to dedicate your life to? Strangely enough, I take my daughter skiing for the very first time. I was skiing my entire life, grew up in Colorado, and so I wanted to take her the very first time skiing, just me and her. And so I put her in ski school, and I you know, go out and do my thing for a little while. And uh, I told myself, take it easy, because I'm skiing by myself, and I can be kind of a lunatic sometimes when I'm skiing and yeah. push limits. But long story short, I take a jump I should never have taken on an icy day that was way bigger than I should have taken, and I land and just my foot just shatters inside my skin. My heel just explodes. Oh my God. The bone fragments are all inside my foot anyway. So I have this whole experience. I wound up, you know, I'm laid up for three months on my couch at home. I can't work, but I never really considered ministry for myself because it was my dad's thing, right? I want to go out and prove myself in the world. I want to show him, you know, what I can do. I'm great what I'm doing. My job is fun, but I don't feel fulfilled. Is ministry for me? You know, sitting on my couch, is it for me? This is the first time in my life I actually took that time to think about it. And since I'd always thought, well, it was my dad's thing, it's not my thing. So I went to, I just decided I was going to go out to the seminary where my dad studied, start taking some classes and just see if it fits. And as soon as I got there, it's a Unity Village in Lee Summit, Missouri, this beautiful place. I, w I was absolutely home. I mean, just sat in the classes and it was just, it was like returning back to my youth, being back in Sunday school, hearing the lessons, and it just completely rejuvenated me. And at that moment I said, I'm going to meditate every single day. I don't care what happens. I don't care how busy that day is, what's going on. I'm going to meditate, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to do this practice that I know I should have been dedicated to this entire time. And 
it just and I I wasn't gonna try to make anything happen because my whole life you know you, you try to make the next job happen mm-hmm. you try to make your bonus happen you try to make your job advancement happen you try to make a better house happen I had done all that and I wasn't sitting there fulfilled right. so I said I'm done trying to make things happen I'm gonna do the practice I'm gonna learn to just be completely open and listening and when I did that, it was just like, boom, 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 boom. Doors opening, doors opening, doors opening, doors opening. And it was just like that, like that. Next thing I know, I'm on the board, Unity of Las Vegas, and the minister moves on, and they need a minister. And I step in and volunteer for six months while we try to find a minister. Next thing you know, I'm hired. Whoa. And it was like, you know, I couldn't have stopped the ball rolling that was already taking place because I allowed, you know. That to happen. For almost the first time, I just stopped and started to allow instead of trying to make happen. I guess my point blank question is, who is Jesus in your in in unity? Jesus for us is as a regular guy. Sort of like a yogi would be in India. A guy who did the work, did the practice, attained a spiritual uh, uh, ability and applied and taught. So we don't say that Jesus is the way to God. We call Jesus the way shower. He's a living example of what we can do. He said, you know, follow my word, greater works he can do than I have done. So we look at that and say, all right, he's not the special son of God, as in this one human being who lived at a specific time, who happens to be the son of God, who did something I'll never be able to do because I'm not the son of God. We look at it now and say, no, we are the sons and daughters of God, all of us. And Jesus was speaking to his brothers and sisters, not his flock or followers. He was speaking to all of us. And so when you read the Bible from that perspective and you read his words, you know, now Jesus is talking to me as my brother is saying, this is a tool you can use today to help you elevate your experience on this planet. And if you follow this path, you will be able to walk as I'm walking in this experience. And what I love about that is it takes it from this thing that happened 2,000 years ago to a special person to this is an experience for us today. And it makes it relevant again. I'm on this this path right now. And I feel really connected to Christ. I was raised a Christian, but never felt really comfortable with religion. Very recently, like within the last... I don't know, month or so, I ordered a bunch of books and I'm so happy that I did this and I started re I'm, I'm in the middle of two of them, but they're just Jesus's words mm-hmm. taken out of the Bible, but they are his words. Right. And they're free flowing from the, when he first to the end. Right? right. I have so much respect for the Bible writers now, instead of seeing it as this was the hand of God, every word is perfect in the Bible. You actually look at it from a historical perspective. You have these men who were followers of Jesus or some who had heard about Jesus. There was this incredible human being named Jesus that lived, and they're all struggling to write down and remember everything that happened, right? Because they thought he was coming back. So some of them didn't write for 70, 80, 100 years later because they all thought, oh, he's coming back, right? No big deal. We don't have to write this down. He'll be here. Then, you know, a few decades go by, and it's like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm going to pass away soon. If, if I don't write this down, I'm the only person who had first-hand contact, you know, a few other people. 
we don't start writing this down, what do we have? So now you have real human beings coming from their own limited perspective, their own limited understanding, you know, their, with their Jewish roots, trying to understand the message he was giving us. So they might have the words, right? They get the words down pretty, pretty darn good because the memory's good and they c that was impactful. But then there after that, next comes their perception of what he was trying to say. And so when you take a book like you're talking about where it's just his words, you get that pure form of it. But I have such deep, deep respect for now when you read Matthew's words and Luke's words and John's words, you see them trying to understand what he was saying. It's not that they fully got it, but they're trying to relay the story to you as it was. And you can see some of their bias coming through from their, you know, their old religion and their old thinking. But without them making this effort, you know, these words could have been lost forever. Right. Which, and I just have, I think that's so cool when you think this was a real person who sat down and said, I've got a, I've got a log, what just happened here. This is yeah. amazing, you know, and yeah. doing the best they can, but it's not perfect and that's okay. And I hear people quoting stuff all the time and I say, you realize that's not a quote from Jesus, right? <coughs> right? He never said anything against homosexuals. Right. Never. Right. Well, yeah, no. Go find me that quote. Right. And I love that somebody asked, I was watching um, an interview with um, Jimmy Carter and, and someone asked him that question and, and he just point blank said, you know, I'm not going to say anything because Jesus never speaks about that. And right. so who am I to, you know, judge about that? Yeah, so and usually <laughs> they're quoting Paul who you know, didn't actually meet Jesus in person at any point in his life. He had a, a revelation of Jesus, you know, after Jesus had passed. But you read Paul, and he's all over the map. I mean, again, he's he didn't hear the words himself, and he's trying to understand this message of Jesus. And he's doing the best he can, but he has his own issues with women. He has his own issues with sin and everything else that he's dragging in from his Old Testament theology he was given. And we're, th I mean, we have to be thankful he, because of his uh, constant pushing forward to keep Christianity alive and keep Jesus' message relevant, we still have it today. But he was flawed. And you can read it and you know, okay, yeah, that was way off course from what Jesus was saying. You know, I appreciate you're trying to keep things right, alive right. here. I appreciate your effort, but that was way off course from what Jesus was saying. And then sometimes he says something and you're like, bam, I mean, that's it. That's amazing that you said that. And then the next paragraph, you're like, whoa, you're so <laughs> and He's just like this. But he's a human being, and we can accept him for that. We can love him for that. I mean, right. he's, what he was trying to accomplish at that time amongst the persecution he was under, like the fact that anything got through is amazing. And so what he did, I'm so you know thankful for that. But yet, now we have you know sects of uh, Christianity have gone off almost entirely on his words alone that were totally off course from what right. Jesus was intending or saying. What does unity believe about the, uh, the resurrection? With the resurrection for us, we don't get, and I'll speak for myself personally, I don't like to get so caught up in the minutia of did Jesus actually resurrect with a physical body or did he have a spiritual body that appeared physical or, you know, when he showed his hands, did that really prove that he had a physical all of this stuff that people try to get caught up in, it's for me, it's a metaphor for a renewal of my life. We're talking about a resurrection within ourselves. You know, Jesus came into death. He still had some fear. He still had some attachment. And then he resurrected completely devout, 
of any uh, connection to the physical or desire or fear or doubt. And so that's what's relevant to me. I can go through this spiritual process and I can resurrect myself into spiritual man. Right. So that's where in unity we recognize Christ is obviously not Jesus' last name. Christ is the essence of God in all of us. So if I can elevate myself and my uh, spiritual awareness to a place where Jesus did, then I could be Shad Christ, you know. You could be Michael Christ because it's within all of us and get to that place. And then post-resurrection, uh, it's Christ Jesus because it's no longer the man, the physical first. It's now become spirit first as the identity of Jesus so that any one of us can go through the same transformation process and it doesn't have to be in physical death. It can be it's the death to the life of the physical, not the actual physical death of the body, so that I can resurrect into, resurrect into the life of the spiritual and live that way and transcend the attachment to the physical desires of this world. Do you feel Jesus' blood is important in your salvation? No. 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 Because that's, again, for me, that's an attachment to the physical. Okay. And that would mean that Jesus would have had to been, uh, had to have been more special than somebody else, more special than me or anyone else. Now his blood is more special than somebody else's blood. We would see that his blood is the path into a Christ-like life, right? If we're going to say this is his message, his, his blood is passing on the message that uh, I'm now partaking in today to now move myself into a Christed life as well. So that's where I think. You get it caught up in the literal translation of the Bible and you don't take it to the spiritual level. Well, we know Jesus spoke in allegory. We know that the Old Testament is full of allegory and parable. That was the teaching tool of the time. So why wouldn't we recognize that Jesus' life was the same thing in many ways? You know, it's not the blood that's going to bring me closer to God or to transform my awareness. It's the message that was being shared. You know, his blood, sweat, and tears and his ministry is what is moving me to a godlike state. Yeah. Shift to live your best life now. Live from Las Vegas, the Shifting Points podcast. Go to our YouTube channel, Michael Blue TV. Sign up. Don't miss an episode.